Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Nasser Mirza here. Welcome to The Weigh-In. It is my honor today to be talking to somebody I've been wanting to talk to for quite a while. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct pleasure to be talking to Professor Nosh Khan. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And happy Ramadan. And thank you so much for making time in Ramadan to invite me. Uh, no. <laughs> We had to change the time around just a little bit because I, I said um, 10, then I realized that's when Aftari is. <laughs> I had to shift it. But no, a happy Ramadan to you too, brother. And uh, of course, it is my absolute pleasure to get to talk to you and all the other great guys I've been getting to talk to uh, since this uh, you know, stuff has been picking up. Pakistani MMA, I feel like, is on a rise. Uh, you are a veteran of the sport, right? And you have fought um, you know, internationally and you fought competitively for so long. Uh, when did the journey first start for you in mixed martial arts? Mixed martial arts was around 2012, I think. That's when I really started. I had a couple of fights here regionally and then slowly started to fight international on the international scene. We just started to build up there, mainly China, Philippines, been over to Russia a few times, Pakistan. So it's quite good. <laughs> Yeah, you fought in Pakistan. That was pretty uh, Flogger Series 1, if I'm not wrong. That's when you fought? Yeah, exactly. So that was just like a last-minute thing. So guys are like, oh, since you're there, do you want to get a fight? And I'm like, yeah, sure. It's always been a dream, you know? Yeah. Because Brave Brave did an event there, and I didn't get to go on Brave. So I was really heartbroken. And then there was this other opportunity. And since I'm there, he might as well take it, right? Yeah, no, and I feel like, uh, you know, Flogger Series right now is one of the, uh, and shout out Flogger Series, because Flogger Series under um, Nasser Khan, uh, Yusuf Zay have put on, yeah, some of the best, uh, you know, cards in terms of quality and, you know, fighters, and it's it's very, you know, uh, in you know in-house kind of production where they do it inside the gym but the fights are always very high quality you were there to fight but i'm sure you also got to watch some fights what were your thoughts about flogger series man i'm i'm really impressed like the level of mma in pakistan is on point right it's catching up to the international scene the only problem i see is the guys don't have enough guidance but what with what they have man it's truly truly amazing like it's inspiring for me I train out here with guys that are high level and stuff and to go back home and to see the same like dedication and hard work. I've been over to CAX, I've been over at TFF, been to Infinity. Man, the guys have good hard working ethic where you know, so it's really good. And then you see these guys coming up on the One Warrior series now. I think mm. that's amazing. Like Pakistan is starting to put itself on the map, you know. So for me it's good. It's really, really good. I'm very proud of everybody. Yeah. And, you know, that, like you said, you said it perfectly. It is now starting to come on the map. Uh, and, you know, Bashir Ahmed obviously uh, was the guy who, you know, first guy from within Pakistan to, you know, go and fight internationally. And then his, uh, you know, entire journey was amazing. But now it's coming to a point where we are down two generations. I, I said the same thing to Bashir Bhai, two generations down. Uh, that's where we are right now because it was Bashir Bhai, then it was a group of guys he trained, then it was a group of guys trained by the guys he trained. And now we're finally at a point where, you know, we're starting to but you are somebody who's a bjj black belt right uh and for those of you watching who may not be familiar with either bjj or combat sports as a whole uh a bjj black belt is the equivalent of what is it the equivalent of actually a P double phd triple phd what what is it equivalent of what would you say is it equivalent of 
kind of like PhD, right? But at the end of the day, the belt is only there to hold up your pants, right? It's not going to do much <laughs> regardless. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's more about the type of person you are. If you help others, you, you the way you impact people, right? But sometimes you can have black belts that are good. Some black belts are not so good. So belt, it really varies from person to person. Hmm. And you know, you've been doing this for at least, how, how long have you been training jiu-jitsu? Jiu-jitsu, eight or nine years almost now. Yeah. Wow. It's almost a decade-long journey with the martial arts that you've taken, you know, with yourself. Um, retrospectively, what was the thing that drove you the most to want to get into it? Because I see a lot of guys right now who want to start MMA uh, or not start MMA. And, and, you know, I'm always wondering, like, what, what does it take for somebody to go on a journey and then last? You are clearly somebody who started on the journey. And, you know, regardless of how modest you are about the black belt, um, it's a 10-year-long journey. How, how, what made you want to start and stay you know what I mean for me I, I wasn't really into grappling much my brother was more into it I was more into the striking part of it and then he was like hey come try it out with me so he was doing it before me so he was the one to introduce me to his jiu-jitsu journey and then that's how I got to meet uh, his coach at that time who is my coach right now at this moment Rodrigo Caporal He's a serious competitor, Kung Lun champion. He fought in Rough, Rough champion, and fought over in Russia. So he's very well known on the circuit. And hopefully you guys get to see him in one FC or UFC in the future, you know. So the thing about it is like <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu, I don't know. I just stuck with it. Like I've done Kuyukushin before. I went all the way to Green Belt there. I've done other martial arts, the Taekwondo also, but it's something just clicked about jujitsu, you know, it's like the human yeah. chest, it just keeps evolving and keeps you like focused all the time, you know? Yeah. And then when you get to an aspect of teaching and then you see how you impact people's life and then how people can impact your life in that way, you feel like you're contributing to people and people are contributing back to you. Yeah. And you're making pos positive impacts and then you see these kids come in and then you're being like a role model to them. Nowadays with the generation, the, everyone's on their mobile, everyone's yeah. on Instagram, tic, yeah. TikTok, you know, so like, yeah. it's good to see these kind of things, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? For sure. And, you know, I, like, I have friends who started MMA and um, they always, you know, like guys who start MMA always, and I want to see if, you know, because it's the first time I'm talking to a black belt, you know what I mean? And a guy who's essentially, who's really ahead. And like you said, doesn't matter. The, the belt doesn't really matter that much uh, in the sport. But I still want to see if these kind of little things are still common in people when they've, you know, kind of, because people have like a favorite submission, you know what I mean? When they start doing it, they're like, oh, I like this one. Do you have a favorite submission? Uh, I like for jujitsu. I like to do more wrist locks and foot locks. Mm. For MMA, I've been catching people with uh, arm locks more. Ah, all right. Like Amber, Americano. My last fight in Russia, I finished the guy with the Americano. Yeah, oh, nice. And uh, you know, you're training in uh, Team Espada. If I'm, am I saying that correctly? Yes, Espada. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell me about it. I mean, uh, where where exactly is the gym? What is the gym uh, environment like? What is it like training there? And, you know, uh, your teammates, what is the kind of, you know, relationship you have with them and your coach? Uh, how does it all work together, put together for you? So Team Espada is built by my coach, uh, Rodrigo Caporal. He's a very serious competitor, like very good with jiu-jitsu. He's well known on the jiu-jitsu circuit. And then, so this is his team, right? So we're under his team and we have training almost all the day. So we start training at 6 a.m. 
all the way to night 9 p.m. So we have classes all day long for jujitsu. Guys wow. can come and train, and the team has done really well in Asia, you know. So the team has competed over Japan and stuff. We don't have too many MMA fighters, but we do have a lot of jujitsu competitors, and mm -hmm. the team has done really, really well in that regard. So I'm very happy for them, you know. Like as long as you have a solid and good team. Yeah, things happen, you know. Yep. Yeah, and you know, uh, you fought through. If I'm not wrong, you fought in the Chinese uh, MMA and uh, martial arts circuit quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I fought over in China. And I mean, like, I want you to talk about this just a bit, but for everybody who might be watching, who wants to know just how good uh, the Chinese circuit is, just for, you know, f uh, fr some frame of references for people like you and me, uh, you know, not like professional who actually fights in the Chinese circuit, but for us, you know, people like uh, Zhang Weilei, uh, Li Jingliang, and of course, uh, Israel Adesanya are all people who've gone through essentially the Chinese circuit one way or another. Uh, and, and in fact... Israel Adesanya, is, the only time he got knocked out, I believe, was in uh, a, in Chinese. China by Alex yeah. Pereira. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. So, cool. yeah. Yeah, so the Chinese circuit is really good. You know, they have quite a lot of shows there right now. So it's great opportunities, like a good uh, buildup, you know, like you get to go, you get to fight there and you can excel really well because the market's really big there. Mm -hmm. so if you end up doing well on the scene there, you're going to big places, man. Yeah. And what I mean, what is it like in terms of competition? Like, is it easy to find fights? Uh, and when you find a fight, because, you know, in every MMA circuit, I think to an extent, you have to be kind of careful with who you're signing to fight, because people often, you know, might misrepresent their uh, your characteristics with regards to how long they fought or how good or bad they are. Just so, you know, this kind of stuff happens. What is the Chinese circuit like with that respect? See, with fighting, there's always two regards to it, right? There's always the one, okay, I want to pad my record. I want to make myself look good. Or there's the other way. It's like, okay, I'll just fight anybody who I get put to. So it's always up to you at the end of the day, right? And obviously, when you're fighting in another people, another country, they're not going to put you up against someone that they think you're going to beat. You're going to be up against somebody good. Yeah. This is like the biggest misunderstanding people have is like, oh, I'm going to have an easy fight. Basically, there's no easy fight. So somebody to step in the ring to fight you is already a winner because 90% of the people would not do that. Mm -hmm. People are afraid of that, you know, like, why would I put myself out there to get smashed on national <laughs> TV, you know? It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not easy. Yeah. But then again, like the opportunities are great with what comes along with it. Like if they offer you an opponent, your coaches think it's good. You think it's a good fight. You take it. If you don't think it's good for you, then you probably shouldn't, you know, but yeah. with these with these kind of things, especially when your career is starting out, it's hard to pick and choose because if you keep saying no, 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 you're closing the doors on opportunities that are coming to you. So it's like a double edged sword, you know? Yeah, you have to be careful about it as well, but you also have to kind of jump into because, you know, uh, one thing about this sport that I think is kind of uncommon uh, in any other sport, maybe uh, unless you count boxing, uh, is the fact that, you know, imagine, have, do you watch any other sports? Do you watch like uh, football or basketball or cricket? 
No, I love it. So, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Me neither, but I, yeah, but I still know some names, so I'll just throw some football uh, team names there. So, uh, imagine Barcelona is playing, uh, you know, Atletico Madrid, and then Atletico Madrid, uh, you know, gets injured, and then Real Madrid has to step in on two days' notice to, <laughs> you know, uh, face Barcelona. That doesn't happen in football. That only happens in mixed martial arts, and it's very careful where you have to kind of be like, okay this guy just dropped out three days ago and here's his opponent who's the guy who have to fight should i really take this fight oh but it's a good stage oh but you know justin gaethje is going through this right now in the ufc as we speak um so you know you have to but what would your advice be to younger fighters especially in pakistan who might want to jump up to every opportunity and say hey i'll take it take the fight like would you say slow it down take your you know or would you just say go with the go with the feeling go with your gut I think it depends on you personally as a person what do you want right it like it goes back again to that point like nowadays records matter a lot a lot you're on two three fighting losing streak nobody's gonna pick you up so in that regard if you want to go to places and you want to take this as a serious career then you should be very very careful about the fights you pick mm -hmm. but then again it's like if you really want to choose that much, then it's going to be really hard for you. You know, yeah. so the best advice I can give is always listen to your coach and believe yourself. Like opportunities will come. It's just, if you're willing to step and step up and make use of it, you know? Yeah. And I guess, yeah, you have to kind of balance it. You have to kind of figure it out for yourself exactly when you should and shouldn't take a fight. Uh, Nosh, you're a K1 IPCC 80 kilograms national champion, apart from uh, being the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, which you kind of just shrugged off as, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. But talk to me about this. How did the uh, K1 IPCC uh, national championship come to you? And how was that whole journey like? So... Like I said, before my journey started with grappling, I was doing a lot of striking. I used to compete a lot in the striking world. Mm -hmm. And then for a time, I put it on pause and I started trying out MMA more because that's the upcoming thing and it keeps you more into it, you know? Like striking, there are good opportunities, but there aren't too many shows or too many wow factors anymore to kickboxing, right? The whole world's just exploded since MMA came. Yeah. So, yeah. So then just to keep myself busy, you know, I like to compete in jiu-jitsu locally. If there is a tournament, I would compete. And then the opportunity came, hey, do you want to fight for the IPCT K1 fight 80 kilogram? I said, let's go. Yeah. Because I was supposed to fight in Korea that same year. Yeah. And my fight got canceled there. So I just uh, came back and took this one. Oh, okay. You're on a high. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're already just coming out of a training camp and then you're like, Screw it. I'm just going to go into the... And wow, it worked out really well for you. That's that's freaking awesome. Uh, and Nosh, I mean, you've, you've come back to Pakistan, of course, uh, and you kind of looked... Like you said, you visited TFF, uh, you visited CAX, and, you know, you went around the gyms and you kind of looked at it. Um, if I ask you a question right now, when do you think, based on the talent that... And, and I want you to really, you know, uh, answer this honestly, uh, but, like, when do you think we'll see the first Pakistani mixed martial arts champion in a major promotion? Honestly, I, I don't think it's too far. Honestly. Mm -hmm. You have a few good guys out there. You got Mushtaba, you got Mamush, is out there. You got Olumi. These guys have fought on big stages and they have done really, really well. So yeah. I, I don't think it's too far out. It's 
one of the things that is lacking there right now is guidance, right? Mm -hmm. So if they can get good high-level coaches in to the country yeah. or get them to guide them, then I think it's not too far mm -hmm. from being achieved. Honestly right. Even like you know, and that's like you 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 gave me three names there, and those are really really good names: uh, Memosh, uh, Emin Mushtaba, and then of course Alumi. But then you know you add more to the list, and you have guys like Vakar Umar who fought in one FC and won you know multiple times on the big stage. You guys, you guys got guys who are just coming up, like Ifan Emmet from Shaheen, who just won in the one Warrior Series. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of indicators that we're going towards that path. Uh, but you know, it's completely different, and you know their level to this game when you say that the guys here need more guidance what specifically do you think what kind of guidance do they need is it because there's multiple facets to this is it a skill-based thing when it comes to jiu-jitsu or any other martial arts that they practice is it a strength and conditioning thing which is based on of course how physically fit they are and competitive to other countries is it a game planning thing is it a resource thing is it you know what how would you kind of visualize and present that this is what's missing in the mma scene I think mainly it's just technique, mainly technique, more for like jujitsu, more wrestling and these kind of things. For the physical aspect, you can take care of it like easily. If we have mountains, we have hills everywhere, Islamabad, yeah. you can run up here, run up there. Yeah. That's not a big issue. I think the biggest issue is the knowledge that gets passed from high level, like it comes through experience. So there aren't many people that have experienced that high level there yet. So that needs to be passed down rather than these guys go and experience it in the cage and then learn from that, you know? Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's a, a lot of guys here, uh, you know. Uh, have you heard of uh, Coach Jazzy in, in Lahore? I've heard of him. I've not seen him. He's a brown belt, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been producing some good jiu-jitsu guys, but again, uh, I'm sure there's levels to this. And I mean, I think it's also important for a lot of the gyms here, if they're doing well, uh, and especially the big gyms that are opening up now, like the UFC gym, like the Brave gym, and even a lot of the other gyms, you know, like that might, can, who can afford it or who can, you know, put together sponsors or whatever. I feel like they need to bring in guys like yourself who are, you know, legitimate black belts who can also help out with the community. I'm sure when you were here, you gave seminars and stuff. Uh, do you feel like people, you know, because there's one thing to want to do it, but do you think as if the MMA scene here is wanting people to come in and help them out with uh, this kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. I think people would love to have people come over there, you know, but then to have actually high-level people come over to give seminars is not cheap. Like, yeah. not everyone would not everyone would be willing to, like, okay, I would put my price down for you. Like, for the local talent, like, I'm sure Bashir, me, other guys, they'll be okay with it. But then you start asking other guys, they'll be like, hey, man, I yeah. do this for a living. I do this yeah. for a living, right? So and then the pakistan the currency is not so strong so it's we're in a tough spot right yeah and i feel like that is a lot of one of the very many like untold stories of sports and sportsmen and martial artists it's a lot of what 
goes wrong in their life or a lot of the opportunities that they miss often has nothing to do with something they've done it's just that our economy has been a piece of shit for like you know what i mean eight to ten years now at least <laughs> not the, that i can be consciously aware of you know i'm sure it dates back even before that um and just because of that i mean and and then the political situation the security situation and i'm and i mean there's no situation everything's fine here you know what i mean people are chilling they're having a great time but people think of it that way when they're coming i'm sure all of it adds up to you know a high level guy saying eh, pakistan i don't know but then you have people like rich franklin who just showed up to pakistan and that was freaking awesome did you hear about that yeah yeah i think for the one warrior series he came over and mm-hmm. then he saw this place so yes there there is interest right but then again it comes down to like how you can invite them what are you gonna do you can do a few seminars you can do a few things here and there but at the end of the day it all comes down to the price right yeah and then that becomes hard to afford like you said the economy is not so good i was over in islamabad this time when i went over there man i was shocked how expensive it is like right now there yeah compared to when i was living back there it's really really expensive and it's hard yeah. the salaries there are not so good you know so yeah it's really tough it is tough and when did you move from uh pakistan to hong kong when i was 10 years old so i came over there yeah. oh, okay. so quite quite some time ago yeah, yeah in yeah, 2000 i came i came here yeah Oh, okay. And like, yeah, I'm sure a lot must have been really different uh, then compared yeah. to now. A lot's happened in 20 years, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. Sorry. No, you, what you were saying? Sorry. No, I'm saying, yeah, a lot has changed. Like, what surprised me is, yes, it's good. They have schools and everything there, but the price has gone up too much too, like in the major cities. So it's really hard for people to either work or to train, you know? Yeah, for sure. And uh, especially you know, if you're looking at the fighter aspects, fighters, they just want to focus on fighting mm-hmm. and the demand is not so much there right now where they can make a living off just teaching in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So it's they're in a tough spot too, you know, the athletes. Yeah. And, you know, like uh, it's it's really now what you call, uh, you know what I mean? Like how you define an athlete in this country is very precarious because essentially our athletes have to kind of grind things out themselves and then get to a point where, you know, a lot of them go. And, for example, two of our wrestlers, uh, Abdurrahman and Inam, but they went to the South Asian Games 2019, they bagged two gold medals. Uh, and you won't really hear about them that much. You'll see pictures of the ministries handing them checks and saying, good job, Abdurrahman and Inam. But, but we all know they probably didn't support them as much as they're trying to show right now initially. when they're Because there's no infrastructure. There's no uh, understanding of, you know, sports is important. So from a school level to a middle school level to a high school to a university to, uh, you know, or there are levels of, you know, how you go about it. There's no incorporation, essentially, of... Uh, education mixed with sports because what's it like uh, in China was there some kind of a school system of uh, sporting or was there at least some kind of support that you had essentially when you were first starting out in sports no in Hong Kong they do have sports but it's not like like America how they have like an NCAA program where you go you get sponsorships and then you carry on it's just like normal PE lessons you know so it's not much there also <laughs> like when you have to grind out for him yeah like i'm sorry <clears throat> so if you're gonna fight you you just have to grind it out you have to get a job you have to train in your free time or if you're lucky enough you can teach 
mm-hmm. and pursue your dream, then that's perfectly fine. Or if you're really good and somebody helps you out with sponsorship, those are the only ways you have to go about it, you know? Yeah. And even here, like I got to talk to a lot of the guys who were at Sarai Fight Night, which is one of the first uh, big MMA promotions that kind of happened here. Um, And those guys were also, they were working menial jobs, they were training, they were teaching, uh, and then they were making ends meet and doing martial arts. It's a really thankless sport, I think. Uh, But ultimately, the reward, I think, is more than monetary or material. What do you think you've gained from MMA and martial arts uh, more than, you know, the monetary and the material? What I've gained, it's experiences, right? Like you get to travel, you you get to see other people's culture, you get to make friendships that last for a long time, you know, and then it opens up doors for you. It does. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do well, maybe abroad you do well, people like you, they invite you to go teach there. So it opens up paths for you in life. For sure, I think so. And like now what is... Uh, you know, 2020 must be an interesting year for everybody <laughs> around the world, uh, pretty much. But what is uh, post-corona 2020 looking like uh, for you? And what do you have planned for the rest of the year? Uh, rest of the year, I need to see, you know. So I just fought in January and then uh, just wait out and see what's there on the table, right? I'm not signed to any major promotion, so mm-hmm. I can take my time and see. Like yeah. before, like now I'm at a point where I need to start thinking more, maybe work towards a major promotion, mm-hmm. stay there and build up from there, you know? Yeah. And um, talk to me about the fight in January. What was that like? And how was the preparations for it? And how did the outcome uh, prove to be in comparison to how you expected going into the fight? So, yeah, before that fight, I wasn't on a win winning streak I hadn't had a win in a long time and then I kept fighting at 77 kilos the weight cut was just killing me and I was killing myself cutting the weight so I I told myself I'm just gonna go and fight at heavyweight and not cut weight this time Mm -hmm. just to try it out and I did my camp here in Hong Kong I started here with my trainer Rodrigo we started training here then I went over to Singapore. I trained with Faizan there. Then we headed down to Pakistan, trained over there, you know, and then came back here, Hong Kong, to finish up the camp and left to Russia, you know. So, yeah. yeah, the fight turned out to be really well. Well, it's a lot of travel before a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did it pay off like do you feel like you learned a lot and especially considering i i saw uh you know you were on like you said a bit of a like you were on three fight losing streak you hadn't won in a while uh but then you got that fight in pakistan did that really put things back into perspective for you sorry did that win in pakistan really put things back into perspective for you did you finally find some kind of you know like because uh, you hadn't won for a long time, then you come back to Pakistan. I'm sure they must have added some kind of fuel to the fire to want to go and win. Yeah, 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 it did. But the more important fight for me was in Russia, right? Because the mm-hmm. bigger stage, more important fight. Yeah. Pakistan fight was more like a tune up kind of a last yeah, minute, up thing. Last minute thing like, hey, you want to just jump in and get one yes. in, see how you're yeah. feeling around. And yeah, so basically it just tuned me up, put me in the right mindset for going into this fight and things worked out really well. I'm really happy, you know, got yeah. to go back home, got to see people, got to see my friends over there. So it's really good. 
Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, Rebel FC is one of, uh, you know, Russia's premier uh, MMA promotions. And of course, Russia has had a huge spike uh, in MMA popularity over the years. They've been producing, uh, Dagestan is, at least is producing world champions. Of course, uh, we, we don't need to talk about that. I go into depth. We all know Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, but what was it like fighting in Rebel FC? Uh, and how did you feel like uh, the crowd was like in Russia? And, and were they really, um, you know, kind of... Uh, did, did did the atmosphere feel as if you know this is one of the big MMA countries in the world? No, not really, because I fought over in China, fought over in Japan, fought over there. So uh, the atmosphere is pretty much the same everywhere, you know. And yeah. once you step in into the cage or the ring, you, you don't feel the uh, audience too much. Well, at least for me, I don't see it. Right? Yeah, I'm more focused on my opponent. But yeah, Rebel FC is quite a big event, and the event was yeah. really nice, very professional. And yeah. it's cold outside, man. It was snowing and snowing and snowing. It was like <laughs> minus 10 degrees. So yeah. 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 And, uh, how does the cold affect you uh, on the day of the fight or leading up to the fight? Do you really feel it? No, on the fight day, no. But my instructor, he fought over in uh, Mongolia. And yeah. it's minus two degrees and he's fighting outside. <laughs> like the arena is outside and he tells me he, feels, he felt so like cold in the warm-up period because the fight's outdoors, man. And then one of my friends also fought over in China. It was outdoors. Those wow. times were bad, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, that really puts into perspective. I think you had a great night at Rebel FC if it was at least indoors. Uh, yeah, it was but indoors. Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> but yeah i mean you get a win over uh of course your lithuanian opponent uh vadim valiov uh and you now got a win in the in the prestigious rebel fc um what are you looking at right now where do you where do you want to see yourself going uh do you want to see yourself do you do you want to say a promotion or do you just want to wait and see exactly how it plays out i'll just wait and see what whatever happens if any offers come by yeah. Eventually, I want to work my way towards one, mm-hmm. and then we'll see from there. Yeah, yeah, one is definitely uh, right now Asia's biggest promotion, at least. Uh, and I feel like somebody with your experience and you know how much you've been and how long you've been in the sport and how much you've accomplished, I feel like a perfect fit uh, for one championship. But yeah, I, I actually wanted to. The last thing I really wanted, to, but I feel like I've already gotten uh, the answer by the end of the podcast. The last thing I wanted to ask you was: Do you feel as if you uh, still want to fight for X number of years or do you feel as because you were a player coach kind of, right? Uh, but now that you're talking about fighting just in January and you will fight again and, you know, get a contract, I feel as if you're ready to go for the long stretch. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, I'll fight uh, as long as I can, you know, until my body gives out. Even if I'm not doing MMA anymore, I'll be competing jiu-jitsu. So it's a lifelong journey, you know? Oh, there we go. I guess the one way or or one thing that we can really uh, summarize uh, this whole podcast up with uh, is that, Nashkan, you definitely are a fighter's fighter. Uh, and you are definitely raising the Pakistani flag high everywhere you go from China to Russia and hopefully uh, one day to one championship. Uh, my man, at least for me personally, I want to say thank you so much for doing this. It's a big, big honor for me to talk to you. If you're ever in Lahore, I want you to come into the studio here uh, once Corona's of, over, of course, <laughs> and then I can't let you in right now. Uh, but, you know, uh, once it's over, <laughs> I'd love to have you over. We can do this podcast in person a long 
uh, detailed one, but I really, really am glad I got to talk to you right now, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And hopefully I get to go to Lahore. I haven't gone there in years, you know. So it'll yeah. be good. I I heard it's changed a lot, and it'll be oh, nice. Dude. To make down there. Lahore is awesome. I would love to have you. I'll show you around. Uh, it'll be freaking awesome. Lahore is really cool. So yeah, I definitely. Whenever, even if you're in Islamabad, I'll come pick you up. Uh, let me know. It'll be awesome. And again, thank you so much for doing this, Nosh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Everybody, please uh, go support your uh, Pakistani heroes. Uh, Noshkan's, uh, the, the link to Noshkan's Instagram and every other relevant page uh, is in the description. Please do check it out. Uh, and please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please do follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. You know the drill. We're trying to promote MMA and raise it as high as we can in Pakistan. Uh, and our interview with Noshkan definitely has helped us with that goal from me and Nosh. Thank you so much. Please do tune in again. Uh, and as always, keep it tight. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. That was awesome. I had a really great time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.